Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Alex may be a lot of things, but shy isn't one of them. This is the Roy Green Show with special guest host Alex Pearson on the Chorus Radio Network. Saturday, and it's uh, it's nice to be in. It's a kind of rainy day out there. I'm not sure what it looks like in your world, but we're looking at some storms bustling through in Ontario today. Uh, but we're going to head out to BC now, where an interesting discussion is being had. And to paraphrase uh, my next guest, he says, if he were alive today, Tommy Douglas would not be happy. And this is from a B.C. doctor at the center of a unique charter challenge that launched in a B.C. court earlier this week. And it's a challenge, I think, that if successful is precedent setting because it would result, I think, in sweeping changes to our universal health care system, a system we like to convince ourselves is wonderful. But these days, I would say it doesn't even come close because every day we're hearing more and more stories involving people who can't get timely care. Well, Dr. Brian Day wants to change that, and he's fighting for Medicare freedom. Back in 2009, the doctor launched a charter challenge against the B.C. government. That's seven years ago. Seven years because of so many delays by the government itself. Well, that case is now in front of a judge. And at the core of this case is long wait lists that cause needless suffering and laws that prevent patients from getting timely care elsewhere. Dr. Brian Day joins me now, and I should point out that you are an orthopedic surgeon, but I I read your resume, and it would take up most of the half an hour, but you've been on multiple medical associations, foundations. You're very involved in medicine as a whole. So you come to this argument, I think, with a real care and passion about how it works. Yes. I mean, I've traveled the world, and I've seen what health systems are like in countries like Canada, well, similar economic levels to Canada, Germany, Switzerland. I've li- lived and worked in Switzerland, Holland and Denmark and places like that that, that have social programs that um, are on a par and mostly exceed ours. And the, 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 the difference in terms of healthcare is they don't have a state monopoly on the um, funding and delivery of medical and hospital care that, that um, competition we know um, improves things and just a few weeks ago at the annual meeting of the Canadian Medical Association here in Vancouver uh, the federal minister um, were on on stage said well yes this recent ranking from the Commonwealth Fund we came out 10th out of 11 developed countries and and yet we're near the, in terms of quality and efficiency and and um, and um, 
fairness, equity, uh, but we're near the top in cost. And um, the only country ranked worse than us was the United States uh, in those kind of criteria. So the, the federal minister then was asked, well, what are you going to do about it? And she responded, well, I have to meet with the other 13 ministers of health. And therein lies one of the big problems with Canada. You know, we have a, a health ministry for every two and a quarter to two and a half million people, whereas Germany, with 80 million people, has one minister, minister and ministry of health, and they have no wait lists, and they have a hybrid system. And, and that's what we're looking for the courts to rule, rule on in, in our um, constitutional challenge. And this case involves your clinic. It also represents six other patients, some of who died because this case took so long to get to court, which is an absolute uh, you know, travesty. Um, but you say you're fighting for, for the two million Canadians still waiting for care. Yes. I mean, we um, there were two cancer patients, that adults that have died. Um, they suffered from delays in their diagnosis and treatment under the system. And um, and then um, amongst the remaining um, plaintiffs, we have three children who suffered under the health system and one other cancer patient. One of the children was 16 years of age and after a 27-month wait to get into the BC Children's Hospital here for serious spine surgery, he has ended up um, paralyzed for life. He was previously um, riding a bike and playing football and, mm-hmm. and uh, no child should wait over two years for necessary medical treatment. You you have stated that Tommy Douglas would not be happy. Uh, why do you say that? Because the Stats Canada and, and, and the, all of the statistics actually will demonstrate that the worst access and the worst health outcomes in the Canadian health system are in the poor and underprivileged. The very group of individuals and, and, and population that Tommy Douglas was trying to to offer health care to. And, um, and um, so the system is not doing what it wanted to do. You know, uh, this, what our opponents talk about, oh, a private system will be for the rich. Well, the, that is um, such a distractor. We know in every society on earth, the rich never suffer. A, 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 Ro, a lawyer, health lawyer from Rome recently emailed me saying he's looked at our system. He's actually written a long article on the trial in Italian. And he says he was surprised. He's, his conclusion was the Canadian health system was designed for rich people who could afford to go to the United States when they needed necessary treatment. What is exactly holding us back? Why is the government limping along? Is it special interests? Is it the unions? I mean, why is it? I mean, I know that it's hard for Canadians to even have this conversation about, you know, access to private care. But why is it that we don't have health freedom in this country? Well, um, you, you you hit the nail on the head. It, it is special interests. It's those who are um, obviously... As I said, we have 14 ministries of health when we should have one. Um, The bureaucracy that has built up around it is is a self-serving group of individuals. And um, we have, have for every one public health bureaucrat in Germany, which has no wait list in the public or the private system, the difference there being that if you have a private room in a hospital, you might get a nicer room and a glass of wine. But we have... They have one public health bureaucrat in the public system for 
we have 11 times as for, for everyone they have we have 11 and they're consuming that's why when we're ranked alongside european countries um, there's a group out of sweden and belgium that did that they put us in alongside 29 countries we came out ranked 23rd in quality and last in value for money so we're spending a lot to get little when I have this conversation, and I've only had to use the hospital once in the last few years, and it was for an infection I got in my finger, so I was in and out of the hospital over a period of month, and what I saw, I was pretty shocked by, you know, with stretchers, with older people, and people laying in the hallways, and, you know, it, it did not exactly paint the picture of health in a system that's, you know, people want to really say, it's a great system, but I see so much of it broken, uh, and I get really frustrated at not having a choice. And I say that as someone who is, I'm not a rich person. I get excited if I find a quarter in my pocket, you know. But I see that we need choice in this country. Well, one of the examples, we don't have, any, we, don't have we have a multi-tiered system. For example, work, work injuries are covered privately by the, by the WSIB in Ontario, mm-hmm. work, work Safety C, we call it out here. And that, that in itself is an example of, um, of what's going on that, that is not, it's not equal health care for, for all. We, have, um, we also have other groups like the federal police, the RCMP, federal prisoners, funnily enough, and, um, and the Canadian Armed Forces are all exempt from these restrictions. And one of the examples that was mentioned in our opening remarks by our lawyer, um, we, there was a physical education teacher who was a patient of mine who was playing soccer with his grade 12 class and tore his knee ligaments. He had an MRI and treatment and surgery and was back at work four months later. He tore the other one then playing with his rec team on the weekend and it was a year and a half. Now, for that year and a half, as a teacher, he had disability insurance through his work. Mm-hmm. But that in, it, it's illegal under the Canadian laws for that disability insurance to pay out and, and get him his treatment quickly in the same way that work, workers' compensation injuries can. And that meant that his disability insurance was paying about $100,000 by the time he got um, his surgery in, in the public system um, for an operation that could have been done for four or $5,000. This, so this makes no economic sense, and of course you deteriorate while you're on waitlist. And, but, but you know we're not doing anything unique here because in 2005. Yeah. Let, let me hold you there because you're talking about another yeah. case, and I have to take a quick break. But we will talk about that. This is not the first fight on this. But we'll pick up that point when we come back. We're talking to Dr. Brian Day out of BC, who is at the core of a of a big charter challenge that could, if he gets the win change the way we have health care in this country. I'm Alex Pearson. You're listening to The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Sometimes you just have to agree to disagree. This is The Roy Green Show with special guest host Alex Pearson on the Chorus Radio Network. Green Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. I'm Alex Pearson, in for Roy Green. He'll be back with you 
next weekend. We're having an honest discussion with Dr. Brian Day, who is at the center of a unique charter challenge that he hopes to win so that he can give, well, I guess, for lack of a better term, health freedom to Canadians. And before the break, we were touching upon the point that this is not the first time we've seen this kind of challenge. Back in 2005, the Supreme Court of Canada ruled on a case involving a Quebec doctor that found patients were needlessly waiting, even dying. So Quebecers are given the right to access private insurance. So Dr. Day, I think the, the, the logical question is why doesn't that precedent go for the rest of us? Are we somehow less uh, less important in the rest of Canada? Well, uh, you raise a very valid point. In, in fact, um, it was ruled on Quebec has its own charter, which is very similar to the Canadian charter. And some of Canada's leading constitutional lawyers believe it does um, apply outside of Canada. Our trial will certainly be precedent setting. And, and one of, the, of course, one of the arguments we're, we're raising is, is should Canadians that don't live in Quebec have the same rights and, and to protect the protection um, of life, liberty and security of person? And to protect their health, that citizen, that Canadians who live in Quebec have, and because um, we are supposed to be one country, and 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 so I mean similarly, I, there's a recent, um, well-publicized case on assisted dying, the assisted suicide case, in which the Supreme Court of Canada um, granted Canadians who are dying the right to die without pain and suffering. And we're fighting for the rights of Canadians who are living to live without pain and suffering. And to me, um, I think that um, those are the kinds of arguments that we're putting before the court. And we're very pleased that it's a judge now that's going to decide based on evidence and data and facts and not the, the whirlwind of rhetoric that we've heard from opponents and supporters of the status quo. I'm sure you're familiar with a young 18-year-old um, girl who died in, in Ontario this year called Laura Hillier. Mm -hmm. I'd encourage any of your listeners to Google that, and you will listen to this young girl dying words as she had waited and, and uh, had her surgery canceled for a transplant and died. This children dying on wait lists is uncivilized in in a in a rich country like Canada and in a free and democratic society. This is not not this should not happen. No, I mean we've got cases of either long wait times or or simply the government decides that your treatment isn't worth it because you're too sick. I mean take the the case for uh, Trent Hill's mayor Hector McMillan, who has essentially been told by the province, you know your treatment is not worth us paying because it's out of out of country. Uh, so therefore, you know you're on your own. And and this guy can't get three hundred thousand dollars to fight his pancreatic cancer. So he's essentially been given a death sentence, and he's fighting that. But I put these cases, you know, similarly because we seem to pick and choose the cases that will get treated. Whoops, I've lost you. Hi, can you hear me? Oh, there can you, you hear me now? I got you. Can you hear me now? Yep. Yeah. So one of the plaintiffs that died in our, while waiting for trial was an 80-year-old um, woman who had terminal lung cancer. She actually had one lung removed mm -hmm. and was given 18 months to live. And uh, But she was, you know, a, in good shape. She could play nine holes of golf. She had a dog that she used to walk every day. 
and she tore a meniscus in her knee, which caused her a severe limp, um, but not an emergency. Like she was, so she went to try and get treated and was told, oh, it's going to be 18 months. In other words, a death sentence or, or life imprisonment um, with, because of pain. So she was one of the patients that went to our clinic. She was not wealthy, but she owned her own home, and, and, um, and she paid a few thousand dollars um, um, and ended up with 15 months to, to 18 months of quality of life. Now, she shouldn't have to pay that amount of money. We should be allowed to buy, as they are in all of the, um, in fact, every country on earth, um, she should be allowed to buy insurance, and and you know people shouldn't have to come up with a few thousand dollars. But we, I think Canadians don't realize we are the only country on earth that makes it unlawful to buy private health insurance for hospital and medical services. The only country yeah. on earth. Yeah, and That's let me point bizarre. out, though, I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, we do have private care. I mean, Saskatchewan, you can get private-funded uh, MRIs. In Ontario, if you pay four or 5000 bucks, you can go and get MedCan. I mean, we do have these private services, but for whatever reason, no one wants to talk about it. Yes, and, and 70% of Canadians have private insurance for drugs, yeah. physiotherapy, and dentistry, which, by the way in the countries that I've mentioned are part of the public system that you don't pay for. So um, this is partly about choice. It's partly about freedom. You know, I remember asking Roy Romano when, um, when he was in charge of the Commission on Healthcare, I said, you know, we can spend our money on alcohol, on, um, on tobacco, uh, we can spend our money now and now on on gamb oh spend on gambling and now even marijuana. How can you possibly have a law that says you can't spend that money on your own health? And of course, like politicians, um, they don't answer the question. They they divert to something yeah. else. But but that's the, these are the kinds of points that we're we're raising in court and and. And those opponents who say, well, it won't be equal, they need a reality check because it's not equal it's now. Right. And, as I, and as I said, it's the poor and underprivileged in this country, going back to Tommy Douglas, sure. that are suffering the most. Let me ask you this quickly before I let you go. Um, you know, there will be those who say, you just want to make more money. Doctors just want to make more money. And you say what? Well, um, I, I can tell you, we're not a prop. We, we don't make um a big profit out of uh, less than 10% of the patients we treat at our clinic are patients in this category. We mostly treat injured workers and uh, uh, that are um, covered by work, workers' mm-hmm. compensation. Private clinics that do exist in BC currently take 60,000 patients out of the public system. So if they didn't exist, there'd be 60,000 extra people on the public wait list and it would get even worse. So, so they're, they're already providing a service. Um, doctors doctors um, are well paid. I'm not going to, it, this is not about that. This is about, we have- Doctor, I'm sorry, I'm absolutely yeah. out of time. I do have to cut okay. you off. I'm sorry, I'm up against a hard That's break. Okay. Um, but I should say that this is going to be a very, very long, long expensive fight and it will be likely ending up in the Supreme Court of Canada. That is Dr. Brian Day joining us. I'm Alex Pearson. You're listening to The Roy Green Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. We'll be back.